Well, good afternoon and welcome to Talk of the Towns. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works and to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is aired on WERU Community Radio since 1993, dedicated to the proposition that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, and our concerns and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in our virtual studio and you who are listening create a dialogue we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I'm your host, co-host Ron Beard, and Liz Graves will be back next month after maternity leave. We hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Just a reminder that we're recording this show in advance and won't be taking any calls today. Well, in the best of school days, teachers inspire students to become confident, curious, and engaged as they learn about the critical skills of reading and writing. That's been the decades-long mission of a nonprofit called Island Readers and Writers, and we're so happy to have some folks here to help us understand that mission and a conference coming up um, in October they call Dear Teacher. We're happy to welcome Kelsey Buckley, who is Director of Communications at Island Readers and Writers. Welcome to you, Kelsey. Also from Island Readers and Writers, the Director of School Programs, Allison Johnson. Deb Jamison is the Principal of Pembroke Elementary School in Washington County. Welcome to you, Deb. And Stephen Costanza is an author and illustrator, um, author of The King of Ragtime, the story of Scott Joplin. And uh, he has been touring uh, as a partner with Island Readers and Writers um, in the past. Thanks to all of you for being with us. Perhaps we could start with a little brief um, connection to the world of education from each of you. Maybe starting with Allison, then go to Kelsey, and then Debbie, and then Steve. Allison, what's your connection to the world of education? Well, I um, have multiple ways. Um, One is because I homeschooled my three children through eighth grade. So that's a big connection to education. And one of the ways I did that was through libraries, because libraries are basically in my DNA, being the daughter and granddaughter of librarians. But I also um, have been very connected with the schools through volunteer programs. I was very involved with Dorcas Library, and we did a lot of outreach at the local peninsula school here in Goolsboro. And then I served on the school board for RSU 24 for six years. So feel pretty connected to education in multiple ways. Certainly are. Um, how, and of how course, about Island Readers and Writers. Island Readers and Writers. And Kelsey, tell us a bit about your background and how you came to, to work with Island Readers and Writers. Sure. My professional background is in higher education during that time that I was finishing a graduate degree in English literature. So obviously I love books. And when I moved to Down East Maine, I really became interested in community engagement work and Island Readers and Writers filled this beautiful niche of all of those things. And uh, Deb Jamison, tell us a little about yourself and how you came into the world of education. Sure. Uh, I'm starting my 31st year as an educator. For the past 18 years, I've been uh, in leadership position as a principal and for the last 10 years as a teaching principal. So we're in a very small school. Uh, My mom taught in a unique situation. She was in a pre-K through fourth grade classroom in Whiting and she taught for 47 years. And as a kid, I said, I'm never going to teach. Right. And then I just fell into a high school. I have a uh, degree in zoology and I uh, moved away, moved back to Washington County and started teaching high school science. And then from there, I moved to an elementary school in my hometown. 
And how many students roughly in, in Pembroke School? Roughly right now around 60. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So w- one of those iconic um, places where education is really at the at the heart of, of what you do. You don't have a lot of frills in a, in a small school. We make do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Steve Casanza, uh, tell us a little bit about your, your path um, as a writer and, and illustrator. Well, um, when I finally run, was able to um, do do both, um, as you say, write and illustrate picture books. This is going back to around the year 2000 when my first, or 2000 and um, for actually when my first book that I wrote and illustrated came out, uh, not long after that time began my relationship with IRW, uh, which of course involved visiting schools. And I was just thrilled because, uh, back then my, I, my whole idea for doing the book that I did back then, which was on Mozart, was to introduce the music that I love to kids. And so all of a sudden here along comes IRW visiting schools and i've um just absolutely loved it from day one and um it's i feel just so much uh enthusiasm and, and love for it to this day being mm. associated with them. perhaps uh allison you could give us some background on how island readers and writers um came to be and and what it does now i don't know if you remember ron probably the port in a storm bookstore and Somesville, well, that was um, owned and operated by our director and founder, Jan Coates. And when she was running that, she would often bring authors and illustrators into the bookstore as a way to promote their books and to engage people around those books. And when she witnessed the interaction and the powerful exchange that happened between an author and an illustrator and those kids, that direct and personal experience kind of a light bulb went off and she founded IRW in about 2006 going out to some of those small islands to begin with like Frenchboro, Swans, um, the Cranberry Islands. And that was with um, Tony Buzio and Jeannie Brett and Chris Van Dusen. And back then it was just, you know, Dan and the author illustrator with some tote bags going out on the boats to the islands but she saw the power of it and others saw the power of it. And so um, IRW came to be. And then we grew serving more of those coastal communities. Um, and then in about 2013, I think we did started to expand into Washington County, bringing on Jonesport and Lubeck, Machias um, and Millbridge, and then continued that expansion until uh, at this point we have 26 partner schools ranging from as far south as Matinicus, which sometimes has kids in their school and sometimes doesn't, um, and as far uh, north as Indian Township in Princeton. Big expansion, uh, lots of schools in between. And Kelsey, what have you seen in your time um, in terms of how um, island readers and writers operate? So what would you add to um, Allison's description? Yeah, I think really... um, that interaction between authors and illustrators with children is really at the heart of our programming. But to mention too, that every book that we bring to these communities is sort of handpicked in collaboration with principals and teachers to really suit the community that we're bringing that book to. And we um, seek to partner with authors and illustrators who have connections to Maine or their books are connected to Maine, or there are really strong themes that we know are going to resonate in that classroom. Uh, it's really all about having that 
rich, interactive, meaningful experience that we hope will kind of open the doors for children to realize how much curiosity and excitement a book can bring. Deb, what's your, been your connection? How have you seen Island and readers and writers uh, kind of interact with your school and, and the, both the students and, and teachers there? I think it's really a unique opportunity to have an author visit. You know, we've had authors come one day a year, read a story and leave. And this is different because we usually get the material in the books ahead of time. We read with our students and we have some activities and materials that IRW has created or other teachers have created so we can pick and choose or make up our own. But to have an author sit with kids you know, fit, you know, 10 kids in a room with this author or and or illustrator and really pick away at the writing process for the older kids or the enjoyment of reading for the younger kids is something I don't think we can recreate. It just in small schools, you know, it's um, it's a huge piece for our kids. And then to have a chance for the teachers maybe to talk with the author about the writing process is a great PD piece on top of everything else. Mm. I'm I'm reminded of the the uh, adage, uh, "Show don't tell," and teachers often ha- are forced to tell students about things. You're <laughs> through this process. You're actually showing them the process of both reading and writing. And um, uh, Steve, talk a little bit about your experience um, as a, a writer and an illustrator, and your interaction with both students and teachers. Yeah, that's that's been one of the joys of being associated with IRW and the work that I do, because a lot of the work that I do in my studio at home, and I tell this to the kids, Ron, when I when I visit the schools, I said, you're the reason why I'm here. This is the reason why I did the book. Sure, you know, um, I want to do a good job and I want the artwork to turn out the way I envision it in my mind. It might not always. Same with the words, too. But in the end, that doesn't matter because my real goal is to be here with you kids today. And one of those is to share music with them, to share with them the writing process, to show them how a simple sketch can turn into a more involved sketch, maybe a character study. And then from that character study, what is that person wearing? What does that person look like? Is it an animal, perhaps? And how that can just lead uh, into an entire story. It's been inspiring for me, and I think other writers and illustrators, and teachers, of course, too, that... To see kids' eyes light up when it's like, ah, or when they hear something, I think that that is so um, uh, edifying and, and, and so um, wonderful to experience as an adult. It's, it's just magical. It's just magical. Allison or perhaps um, uh, Deb, tell, tell us a little bit about what's, what's happening in the, <laughs> the experience of the youngest students. Um, and take it out of the context necessarily of island readers and writers, but um, as they enter the school system or the education system um, as homeschoolers, what what's going on in their 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 minds and their their experience? Um, how, how are we how how are we interacting with them to kind of help them become um, successful? Okay. I was just saying that, you know, four-year-olds are coming in and it's a new experience. They're leaving home. So just the settling in the routine is really, really important to welcome and you know, show this is what we do at school, right? Mm-hmm. This is how we, we interact with our neighbors and we share and so on. And one of the things that we hope happens at home is, you know, families read. 
So one of the things that we can do at school that connects to home is also read and share that material with families. So um, students have a common place, right? Mom reads at home, dad reads at home, my teacher's reading to me. So there's at least some type of a connection that the similarities between the two places. What would you add, Allison? So, you know, we know that the communities we serve are underserved. Some are in the highest poverty parts of the state. And so that means that um, resources that um, kids have, whether through the home or through the school, maybe aren't where they should be. By providing not just these enriching experiences they have with meeting the author and the illustrator, they're also getting that signed copy of the book. And the book goes home with them. And, you know, early on when we were doing this, before my time, apparently what was happening was those books were sending them home with the kids and they were coming back to the school because parents thought, oh, it's a library book or something. It has to go back. It's not ours. But they're theirs for those kids to keep. And what we've discovered is that um, oftentimes the IRW library might be that the only library in those homes because of financial burdens. Um, and kids really treasure those. So being able to connect kids um, through the school and through um, literacy and art and making them feel, take some ownership over it. They have that to take home. It's growing with them. Some of these kids, you know, we start with pre-K and we work through eighth grade. Um, so you get to know these kids. I've been here eight years and I watch them, you know, make that progression. And and I had a kid um, last year who saw the sticker on the back of the book of Island Readers and Writers and said, um, wait a minute, what's that? And I said, well, that's us. You know, we're the ones who bring the authors to you and these books. And he said, well, I have a whole bunch of those books on my shelf at home. And it was just terrific to see his face light up and make that connection of who we were. Because sometimes... There is a little bit of a disconnect. They think, oh, the rock star of the author illustrator is here. Who are these other people? But as we go into these schools twice a year over and over, they get to know us. Um, and it's it's a super fun place to be having that relationship with the kids. Deb, you've mentioned um, what it's like, perhaps, or what the aspiration is for um, the youngest students. How about the eighth graders as they get ready to move on to, to middle school, high school um, level? What what are you seeing and what are you hoping for in their experience? We're really hoping to increase their uh, genres, you know, opportunities to read a variety of materials, both fiction and nonfiction and be able to digest that and maybe make some real world connections. So it isn't just about, you know, the book itself, but maybe you can relate it to other content. And sometimes we have authors who have additional books and my teachers have said, wow, the kids really like this. Can we get, you know, a few of the other books too? So that's uh, been helpful, but we just, we want them to be able to, if they could, to read and to write. Maybe we have an upcoming you know, illustrator or author amongst our schools, and we want to be able to feed that. I'll just remind listeners they're tuned to Talk of the Towns. We're talking with folks from Island Readers and Writers um, in advance of an upcoming conference in December, in October called uh, Dear Teacher. We'll learn more about that conference in a moment. We have uh, Kelsey Buckley and Allison Johnson uh, directly connected to Island Readers and Writers, and Deb Jamison is the principal, teaching principal at Pembroke Elementary School down in Washington County, and Steve Costanza is an author, uh, most recently, of The King of Ragtime, the story of Scott Joplin, and he's toured with 
Island Readers and Writers Partner Schools. Um, let's talk a little bit about the process of, of going from reading to writing. What's what's that like? How do you encourage that? Uh, perhaps, uh, Steve, uh, draw you into the conversation a little bit about that. You, you said you're, you're focused on music, but also um, this notion of, of turning uh, readers into writers. Um, how, how do you do that? What are some of the exercises that you might introduce to students? Yeah, well, there are a number of things you can do, Ron, to that, to that end. And, um, sometimes just coming up with those little sketches of characters, you might ask the kids, well, what words would that person speak? What does that, their voice sound like? And what is their history? What did they have for lunch? Do they like to cook when they go home and, and eat the kind of food that they weren't cooking in the school kitchen? Things like that. Things that get their mind going so that they be- can begin to think of like, words that say not themselves would speak, but a character. It might take the pressure off then for them to feel, so to speak, like, oh, all of a sudden now I've got to like write something, you know? So that's, but that, that's, that's really only one way. I, I, I like to tell kids that my experience really, um, evolved back in the day, long before email, like a hundred years ago when I was a kid. Um, I would write like these nonsense letters to my friends. And using all kinds of wordplay that I considered to be, you know, funny and clever, whatever. And, and, and it was just really, you know, nonsense, but it wasn't nonsense in the sense that I was just spending some time, um, trying to, uh, invent a story that I thought was funny. And humor is a big part of this equation, I think, when trying to connect with kids, because kids love humor. They love, they love to laugh. And if writing can involve that in any way, too, I think that's important to, to draw that in. I tell kids, too, that, you know, by the time I, I, I was starting to take seriously getting into children's books as a career, I didn't consider myself a writer. And I was getting close to uh, 40 years of age. And I knew I, I could do the illustrations, but I submitted my illustrations for a um, book that I hoped the publisher would take on thinking that, and a, and a complete manuscript thinking that the publisher would find a quote unquote real writer to write the story. And what I like to tell the kids is that the publisher came back to me and said, no, you know, this story better than anybody else. We will help you as a publishing house with lots of editors and things like that, but we will help you write the story. You're the writer. You know, the story better than anything else. So I think, yeah, making it uh, personal in some way uh, is important in order to try to plant a seed in, in young minds, young kids. Sounds like you're, you're giving them authorship <laughs> in some way of their own stories, their own lives. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah. Allison, tell us a little bit about your experience um, as a homeschooler and then uh, getting involved, this transition, perhaps, not transition, that isn't the right word, but um, moving from being readers to writers. Basically, when we were homeschooling, our curriculum was books from the library. Um, we would often go to multiple libraries, to Ben, Respect Harbor, Ellsworth, and have stacks of 70 plus books out at a time. So the way I approached homeschooling is very similar to the way we run our programs with Island Readers and Writers. It was um, following the kids' curiosity, um, finding books that um, they were interested in, and then diving into 
any content area you could imagine through picture books. So we work with chapter books as well with the older students, but we also really like to promote the idea that picture books aren't just for kids. They're incredibly um, concise in their language. You only have 32 pages to get across what you need to say in a picture book, and you have to marry the words and the images together. It's this incredible dance, and that's the power of bringing in these authors and illustrators to show how that can be done. And sometimes it's completely disconnected. If someone's only an author and doesn't do the illustrations, then they have to do that dance um, with somebody else, often not of their choosing. So it's about thinking of books as not just sitting down and, and reading them to consume that content, but exploring all the ideas that are put forth in multiple ways. What questions come up that you can research further that will get you um, information about a whole bunch of different topics? What um, kind of investigation can you do to find out if those details are really accurate? Um, how can you connect math and science to this? And often we can. Um, how do you bring artistic elements into that? Um, really going as deep as we can. So that's what happens with our Explore More guides. We tell a little bit about the author. We use visual thinking strategies because I'm trained as a facilitator, which uses images to draw kids in around some questioning and um, building communal um, language around that. So we often will use that process with the cover of um, a book, a chapter book, maybe with middle school students. Before they start reading it, we'll have this rich discussion so that they can explore and start to make some predictions. Um, and then it's fun to check back and see where they've come from that. But also, when we come in, we're, we're really trying to encourage that connection of art to the writing, because um, doing this for many years now, we see firsthand how sometimes kids see that blank page, right? And even adults see a blank page and you get overwhelmed. Um, but if you give them permission to do some art, it can change things significantly. So trying to come up with a story and thinking about just writing those words can be very challenging for some. Others, it just flows through, you know, no problem. But if you tell them, start drawing your story, I've seen kids who have nothing on their page, are not engaged, you give them permission to draw, and three or four pages later, there's their story, you know? Think about thought bubbles, think about speech bubbles, build those characters, and off they go. And our authors and illustrators come in with a variety of ways to get kids to tell their story. And Steve has been telling you some of them. Others will do big brainstorms um, and be very theatrical about um, sharing those stories back with the kids that just livens up the whole process. And when the teachers get to see all of these different ways, um, it's like I think Deb mentioned earlier, it's a bit of professional development for them, being able to witness that and take down you know, some notes on, oh, look at this technique they use to inspire my kids. It's working. Um, I'm going to use that um, further on in my classroom. I'm going to turn to Deb, um, your long experience with um, the field of education. You've seen um, massive changes in terms of what is expected of schools and teachers. 
Um, how would you say Island Readers and Writers and its program, this notion of, of inspiring um, students to be both readers and writers, how does this fit into the overall expectation that society begins to, to, to demand, perhaps, of, of schools? Um, they're saying we have to have results and we have to have outcomes and so on. How does this all tie together in your mind, your experience? I think it gives a real purpose for reading and writing, right? When you meet somebody that's created either a picture book or a children's book for the younger grades, even if the older students are reading it, they're starting to think, oh, maybe I can create a book. In fact, we have ordered some blank books before. I think a few years ago, one of our groups actually had one sent off and published. It was just for the, you know, the classroom, but that idea of, oh, maybe we can, you know, these kids were staying in at recess at that time, writing, wanting to, you know, explore and expand and get something what they thought was perfect, but they probably wouldn't have done this if we hadn't had authors come in to visit. But one of the bigger impacts that I see is um, really with the illustration, kids want to draw. And then from the drawing, we've learned those words, uh, what do you see? What makes you say that? What are you feeling? What? Why do you think that? So they can actually get some words down. And I think there's some research out there right now that the drawing and looking at the illustrations is starting to support um, deeper writing. And that's both both sides of our brain, isn't it? I mean, it's it's engaging the full human. And I suppose when we talk about um, the standards that um, teachers are expected to to um, teach to, you're trying to engage the whole the whole person, um, both as a teacher, but also as 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 students as well. Yeah. yeah. And we know if you're a kid, just like with an adult, if you're not interested. Right. You're going to put less effort into something. So this is a highly engaging, you know, a day or two that we offer a couple. Well, we, we get to have a couple times a year, um, which is really cool. And kids look forward to it. Kelsey, what would you add to some of this? Um, you mentioned your own um, interest in, in um, literature. Um, as a, a student of literature, how do you see all this kind of unfolding? What's your broad view of this? Yeah, I think uh, something we often say is that excitement matters, not just for fun, but for creating lifelong learners um, and having these meaningful experiences, both with the literature and with visual literacy, as Deb was just saying, you know, we live in a very visual world. Anytime we are scrolling on the Internet or social media, we are seeing images and thinking critically about them and trying to make meaning. And those skills very much come come together in these programs. Um, and hopefully that spark um, keeps kids able to not just read, but find things that they want to read. You know, we sometimes see an interest in reading drop off as students approach kind of more of those middle grade years. And there can be lots of reasons for that, like taking on extra extracurriculars or just not being able to find as easily the kinds of books that they loved as a kid. And we hope that this is a door into the world of books and reading that serves kids well into their young adult years and beyond um, building those critical thinking and critical reading skills, whether that's for, you know, um, succeeding in whatever professional development they might choose in the future or learning about issues that are important to them in their community or just the joy of storytelling with family and friends to build community. I think mm -hmm. it all kind of starts with the book. 
Mm, thanks. Well, just again, uh, reminding uh, reminding listeners that they're tuned to Talk of the Towns. We're exploring the role of island readers and writers, which bring um, books and authors, illustrators to classrooms throughout um, some of the smaller schools in mostly down east Maine, uh, but expanding um, to um, other rural schools as well. Um, and You've just heard from Kelsey Buckley, who's Director of Communications at Island Readers and Writers. We're joined also by Allison Johnson, who's the Director of School Programs there. Deb Jamison is a Principal at Pembroke Elementary School. And Steve Costanza is an author and illustrator who's toured with partner schools. I'm going to come back to uh, Deb Jamison um, and ask a little bit about what's life like perhaps post-COVID for teachers and and uh, working principals, teaching principals, and, and for students, because that leads into, I think, the conference that Island Readers and Writers is is sponsoring, um, kind of responding to the condition <laughs> that we're, we're finding ourselves. But tell us a little bit about what, what, what's life like as a, as a teacher, as a student um, post-COVID. We are forever trying to get back to our pre-COVID days. I don't know that we can ever erase what happened for anybody. So that's still a challenge, you know, when somebody gets sick and you worry and so on. Uh, but some good things that happened probably were the online digital uh, activities and things that now staff and students can be engaged in. So we can you know, visit places and feel more comfortable, I think, with some of the online platforms and reaching kids maybe in their digital world that we hadn't before, for one, you know, for sure, uh, because they grew up with all of the technology. So that piece has been new for teachers. It's still a learning curve, but we're still trying to do the things that we did beforehand. And I think that at least for my school, this past year, we took field trips. Mm. What a relief. You know, <laughs> like to get out and do things. Teachers like to get out and do things. And I really believe in experiential education. So I'm not the teacher that wants to sit inside those four walls, right? And we learned with some of the COVID things that getting outside feels good. Do it more often. So now we are working on building better outdoor classroom spaces. So that has changed. And, and I think it's a huge positive piece. I would say we, you know, we're still pushing those, uh, the curriculum needs and, and so on, but we're doing it in a little bit different way. And I say that because I think we are, um, extremely hyper aware of the social emotional, uh, pieces that we weren't before. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's been the, the significant shift. And it's okay to read the story and go into detail and take two days instead of one. Teachers don't give themselves permission very often to do that. But sometimes if I go in and say it's okay that you didn't cover this story because you've covered the content in a different story in more, you know, in detail. But it's, it's like they won't give themselves permission to go ahead and and do that. So we have to be there to champion and cheer the teacher on as well as the the student. Mm. So, uh, Allison, maybe you can get started and then Kelsey can um, add into the the origins of this notion for a, a Dear Teacher conference. Um, first of all, where did the title come from? Uh, Allison, where did that, that wonderful title come from? Well, a big, I would say, maybe the biggest portion of the success of our organization is in our relationships with the schools, the staff, the students, and our author illustrators. 
And because of those relationships, we really, every time we go into a school, we are um, paying attention, um, who's there, who's leaving, what struggles are happening, what challenges are they facing, so that we can tailor our programs to be exactly what they need. Um, and through that process, when the pandemic hit, um, we missed one semester. And then after that, we were able to quickly just get online. And um, some schools weren't able to join us, but uh, many were. And we kept going. And through that, um, when we were online, we heard quite a bit from the schools what was happening. Um, part of our programs involves um, supporting the teachers through our Explore More book guides, which are tied to standards um, to help them to, you know, take these programs right into their curriculum if they can. Um, and also, um, with the pandemic, there was there were two big losses in the communities we serve. So we have those outer island communities, um, and we also have the Washington County communities, as well as MDI. Um, and there were two big professional development um, opportunities that would happen for those um, populations. One was the Island Teachers Conference um, put on by the Island Institute, and one was the Harvest of Ideas in Washington County. And after the pandemic, both of those kind of went a bit went away. Um, so we recognize that there were these holes to be filled. And because we collect feedback on every visit that we do, every professional development that we do, we're monitoring what the teachers are needing in the school. And it came up over and over again, writing, help with writing, need to teach writing. Um, and so we took all of that feedback and looked at it and said, let's put on a conference to fill this hole based on that feedback that we have targeting the needs of these teachers. So Dear Teacher came about because we recognize that we're in the school, so we know what's happening. We also are aware of the social and political climate that has not been very kind to educators over these past few years. It's really challenging. So we want to provide the professional development to keep them growing and doing the best they can in their field. But we also want to lift them up. We want to elevate them as they deserve. So dear teacher, just felt like this is our love letter to you, you know, to, to let them know that we're here to support you, to recognize the good work that you do. And by putting this um, conference together, like I said, based on that feedback, we've also specifically tasked all of our presenters who are doing workshops when they do their workshop to have three easy takeaways that the teachers can have that they could walk out immediately straight into their classroom and use those three takeaways to teach right away. Um, so we're really excited and looking forward to being able to follow this through. Mm. Kelsey, a little bit more about the conference itself um, coming up in, in October. Um, who are you hoping beyond teachers? I think you're hoping for librarians and, and others. Who do you want to attend and, and what are some of the elements of the conference that uh, you're most excited about? Yeah, so when we say dear teacher, um, that's a broad statement and we're really welcoming all principals, support staff, school and youth librarians, um, anyone who is working with children pre-K through grade eight um, in Maine and beyond. We've had some registrants from Vermont, New Brunswick. Um, so there's, you know, there's definitely some buzz around that. But um, specifically for those who are working in small and rural places like 
the schools that we serve. Um, when we thought through who we would invite to do workshops and the conference themes, we were digging into that feedback from our schools to create an experience that's specific for teachers who might be working in very small schools or in a multi-grade classroom, places that might not fit the mainstream of professional development. So I think that aspect is really exciting. There's a lot of love among our staff for those small rural schools in Maine. And this is our first statewide offering um, ever for professional development. And we really wanted it to be open and welcoming. Um, I'm excited for the amount of variety that we have here um, because we really want it to be, again, adaptable to all those classrooms. Uh, pretty much every session could apply to a teacher pre-K through grade eight. Um, I believe there are 18 sessions on Friday to choose from. So there's a lot of variety. And we have three featured speakers who will speak to all of our conference registrants. I'll, I'll come, to, I think, uh, now to Steve. And, and uh, um, Allison said you're, you've been challenged as a presenter to um, kind of build in three easy takeaways. Um, tell us a little bit about what your, what your session will be like and what your takeaways might be. Right. Well, uh, Ron, one of the things that I was thinking is, is that I'm sure that, you know, like teachers have already – my, 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 my interest is, is, uh, specifically in, in music with, with this and, and music as it relates to what I do with, with picture books, but specifically, more specifically, music in the classroom. And I'm sure that teachers, there are some teachers who have already incorporated music in some way, shape or form into the class, whether it's with a lesson or, or some kind of like, um, ritual that happens every day, like say, for example, when it's time to pr uh, prepare, um, from one section of school, the school day into the next, is there that five minute transition time where music could be part of that? So I'd like to expand on, on that a little bit more, but specifically, um, knowing that and, and, and seeing firsthand how entranced, um, kids are with, with music and, and what it means to them. Um, I've been trying to think of ways where, like, say, for example, and I've actually written down a few notes because I'm still um, thinking ways I could present this. But I was thinking, like, say, for example, in a U.S. history class, um, that music can evoke the emotions and the sensibilities and the values um, of a pastime. And so how can that like foster discussions and provide insight to that time and era? Um, like say, for example, um, Harriet Tubman. Um, <clears throat> I thought of uh, the example of Harriet Tubman and the music that was used um, at that time as a code for escaping the, uh, the formerly enslaved people and how they would escape. So songs like say, for example, Steal Away, uh, Wade in the Water, Sweet Chariot, Follow the Drinking Gourd. All of those I see as providing a way to get to know the time and the place that will be touched on in the, in the daily lessons or, or, or the weekly lessons, but really make it come alive in, in a way that, that might not otherwise happen. Um, I just think that it was just so interesting that, that, uh, time in history when music was, uh, used as a kind of code, um, for the, uh, formerly enslaved people. Um, but that's only one era. That's only one, a very important one, of course. But um, you could talk about the, um, uh, get, still with U.S. history, uh, the Depression era and the songs that came out of that time. 
um, <laughs> brother, can you spare a dime? You know, those, those kinds of songs. And, um, um, so, um, one of the pieces that I would love the teachers to take away with is, is to actually play for them some examples, uh, that were around the time of Harriet Tubman and, and the U.S. depression. And, um, what might the music sound like if they were doing a unit on Edgar Allan Poe, for example? And I'm talking about music from, say, Michael Jackson's Thriller uh, to way before that, like some like spooky music written during the uh, Romantic period, um, to to something else maybe that the kids could could think of. Um, so yeah, I'm um, I'm 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 excited to be able to 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 do this because I. I, I, I feel it's very important for, for kids to have some kind of um, a, 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 a connection with, with what they're learning in school that might be beyond um, a typical lesson in a book, say, for example. And as you said, um, students students um, today are are surrounded by music, and so why not make that part yeah. of of their experience and and kind of tie it together with um, a broader broader set of themes. Uh, um, Allison, okay. uh, tell us tell us a little bit more about some of the other um, folks who will be presenters, um, or if, if if that would be better, Kelsey. I don't know who who would be better to describe some of the other. You've got Sophie Black Blackhall. Um, uh, who's a uh, two-time Caldecott medalist and author and illustrator. What are you hoping Sophie will um, provide teachers with? Well, Sophie is um, just a wonderful and extraordinary human being. And we have worked with her a couple times, bringing her um, around on. We did a lighthouse tour with her, with her book, Hello Lighthouse. Um, and we're hoping she's going to bring some of that um inspiration as well as some self-care so a couple of she'll be our keynote speaker on friday night um but there are a couple of author illustrators who are with us who will be focusing on kind of that self-care for teachers sophie is one of them and also um our very own main author illustrator melissa sweet um she will be doing a workshop on um friday um and so Beyond those two, we have, we have so many wonderful people involved. Um, but as far as featured speakers go, we also have Lauren Wolk, um, who is an extraordinary writer of middle grade novels, um, and has, um, a really amazing ability to connect with people. Um, I think it, it comes from her, um, her listening skills. She's a, a very skilled listener, so she's paying attention and hearing and then can relate back. Um, but she's an amazing writer and, and is, is great for um, showing kids how to develop a story. And her characters often have the kids chomping to ask questions about why did you make this character so mean um, and things like that. Um, and then we also have Kat Biddle, who will be a featured speaker um, from the University of Maine, really speaking to rural education and the nature of rural education. Um, so she'll be able to connect with the educators that we work with in that rural setting. And, and I'll hand it off to Kelsey to tell you more about the others. Many of the presenters that we've invited to the conference are actually um 
authors and illustrators who have been on school tours with us and in our programs. And I think part of our hope is that teachers will get to be in the student's role for a little while, but experience some of that out of the box thinking and fun and hands-on learning for the two days of the conference that we hope to bring to schools. Um, I'm also particularly excited. Um, Sophie recently wrote a picture book for grownups called Things to Look Forward to. And I know that she'll draw on that for our teachers um, to kind of bring excitement and hope. And Lauren as well. Um, I think that for all three of our speakers, our keynote speakers, um, Sophie Blackall, Lauren Wolk, and Dr. Kat Biddle, I think um, their talks will be much about honoring the experience of teachers and giving them a lot of wonderful, exciting things to look forward to. Deb Jamison, that notion of honoring um, the role of teachers, the the way that teachers, does that, that um, kind of resonate with you and your experience, the teachers you know, that that's important? I think it is. Teachers are the last ones to take care of themselves. I think they're so busy taking care of everybody else that they're not engaging in that necessary self-care. I've seen it many times. We'll even try to offer something for teachers and they'll say, oh, no, let's work on something for kids, you know, taking the focus away from maybe their needs and putting it back on the children. But I will say I had the opportunity last fall to visit Vinyl Haven with Allison and the IRW because one of my goals is to maybe get to all of the islands in Maine. You know, we live in a beautiful state and we don't always get to do that. But when she was discussing this idea, she said, wouldn't it be cool to bring the island teachers and the rural main teachers together. And I know as a teacher, some of the best professional development happens when you chat with a teacher in another school. And we just don't get that opportunity very often. Mm-hmm. So have you built in some some uh, free time um, in your conference? It's a, it's a very short conference. You you wish you had a week, but you've, you're kind of squeezing this. But is there is there time for that kind of interaction, uh, Kelsey? Yeah, absolutely. We have left dinner and lunch and breakfast, which are all part of the conference, really open without programming um, for teachers to sort of mingle in different areas and, you know, talk to the people at your table. There's no assigned seating for this conference. Um, We encourage teachers from different places around the state to sit together and and have a chat. Mm. And what else, um, Allison, do you hope that uh, teachers take away, both in in terms of of professional development, but personal care and and kind of that respect, um, that uh, self-respect, I guess, or self-care. Allison, anything else? Um, Well, I think we've touched on on much of it, wanting them to feel elevated and valued. Um, And I think, you know, Deb really said that quite well, that teachers take care of themselves last. But one thing we know is that when you're um, working with communities um, that are underserved, rural and poor, it's not just the students in the school that fall into those categories. It's the teachers as well. And what we also know is that teachers absorb the trauma that comes into the school of the student. So that's a really, really challenging position to be with. And we do want them to feel loved and elevated and valued. And so we have articulated that to all of the presenters. Um, and they're going to come away with skill sets that they can use right away. They're going to um, come away feeling valued, and they're going to have that networking opportunity. We do have a social hour. We have, you know, door prizes and giveaways. And um, it's, I think we really are just going to bring all those people together 
Um, the, the land of children's literature is a wonderful place to be. They're some of the most generous, kind, caring people I've ever met. So you pair that with these educators and it's just, it's going to be an amazing experience and we're really excited. Great. I'll just remind listeners, we've got about 10 minutes left, but I want to remind listeners, we're talking about the, the role of island readers and writers um, as uh, kind of an inspiration and support for uh, rural teachers in Maine. Um, Kelsey Buckley and Allison Johnson are here with island readers and writers. Deb Jamison is principal teaching principal at Pembroke Elementary School, and Steve Casanza is a, an author and illustrator um, who has toured with um, Island Readers and Writers Schools. Um, in the remaining time, I'd like to, little, in some ways, go back and talk a little bit about um, what happens, um, what are the, the sequence of things that happens when you engage a, stu a new, perhaps a new school to get them involved in Island Readers and Writers, and then what happens during one of these um, tours, one of these visits? Um, go through some of the specifics so listeners are are left with that picture of, of the heart of what Island Readers and Writers does. Um, Allison, let's start with you in terms of the process of engaging schools to start with. Sure. So once we um, have identified a school as a potential partner, um, it's often because they've asked us. Um, and we meet with them, meet with the leadership to make sure it's a good fit. Um, and we really do some research around who they are. You know, we have a, what we call a partner profile, and it goes out every year to all of our partner schools. And that's sort of um, all the logistics, all those uh, technical data that we need um, in order to serve the community. So how many students do they have? How are those students broken up? Is it a pre-K through second grade classroom that with one teacher and one ed tech, um, or do they have individual classes? Most of our schools range anywhere from as small as three students up to about 120 or so is the largest population that we serve. Um, so it's really about getting to know that community first. Who do you partner with? Do you do things with other schools? Are there community agencies that you bring in? Do you have a music teacher? Do you have an art teacher? Do you have a library on the premises? Um, and often schools don't have um, any or all of that. Um, so we find that out first. And then when we're planning a program to bring into the school, um, it comes together in a variety of ways. It might be um, an author that we've been working with for a period of time and suddenly has a new book like King of Ragtime, such as Steve's um, book. And we're like, yes, keep us posted on these new releases. We want to get the arc ahead of time so that we can start to um, plan, which is an advanced reader's copy. Um, and then we think about, OK, some of these schools don't have music. Let's see if we can target schools that don't have music and let's build a program around that. So the first thing we do at IRW is we read that book very deeply and we start to think what questions pop up for us? How does it tie into history? What are the musical elements we can bring to it? Um, what kind of creative uh, projects could come about that could be done in the classroom? Could we take this outside the school and find an experience that way? And then we develop our Explore More book guide that incorporates all of that. Then when we're planning the visit, we think of several factors. So first, it's identifying the school for all of those reasons I stated. And then it's also, okay, we're bringing someone like Steve coming from North Haven. He has to catch a ferry to the mainland. Then he has to get up to Washington County. 
um, and we have to find places to stay. We have some wonderful, we have a wonderful host in Washington County. And then we start thinking geographically of how that makes sense for efficiency purposes. So we might take um, a author illustrator to say, Whiting, Lubeck, and Pembroke, because they are ge geographically close to each other. So then we figure out, okay, we now we're going to meet with those teachers, and we're going to talk to the, them about what this could look like. What do they want it to look like? What are they working on in the school? Do they have a theme for this year? Is there something that we can tie that into? We give them the Explore More guides. We start to brainstorm, and we go back and forth. Sometimes we Zoom the author or illustrator in to have a conversation about what the, the actual day might look like. And then the teachers tell us about what kind of things they're going to do in preparation for that um, day. Because as Deb mentioned, it's not just a drop in. Here's the author illustrator one day and we're out. There's a lot of prep work that goes in ahead of time. Um, and when we come in, generally the school visit looks like an all school presentation. So the entire school will come in and hear from the author illustrator, hear their background, how they came to do what they were doing, what they're excited about. Um, and these presentations can be with just a flip chart and um, a piece of charcoal, um, or it can be a very interactive um, presentation like Steve's, which includes a digital presentation with um, music and very interactive. And then we break up the day um, going into um, grade groupings where we do workshops in the classroom. And it can be writing. It can be illustrating. Uh, it can be just a conversation. Um, we've had kids reading, especially in the middle grade level, reading a book and wanting to just ask questions. So um, it can look very different at, at each school. Uh, Deb, it sounds like um, in addition to the individual programs, when Island Readers and Writers begins to partner with the school, they're helping expand the ecosystem um, that that creates a good education system um, because you're, you're, they're asking you to involve other partners and think about um, how else you can do your education. What's been the result, perhaps, from your earliest uh, connection with Island Readers? What have you seen expand in your school? Well, we now pay attention to the book lists that come out in the, in the, you know, the winter and the spring. So because teachers will come to me and they'll say, well, what's a good book? And, you know, I'm, my background is math and science. So I'm thinking, well, I have to learn right along with you. Let's go do some exploring. So having authors names certainly has broadened it. But, um, this year, just for an example, we're always, um, encouraged to bring the community in, parents be involved and so on. And, uh, this year we're going to have a star party and invite schools. And it's really based on some material that IRW is going to bring and share with us and other schools. So I think that expands it. Then we can bring in local astronomers, you know, other people that we might not have that connection to the school anymore. The kids might have gone there years ago. So it's, uh, a bigger opportunity. And then in small schools, we need to have like a math night and a literacy night. So this will help us say, you know, this is our literacy night this year and um, with a bigger purpose. Great. Well, we've only got a couple minutes left. Um, perhaps each of you could could uh, talk about your hopes for the future in terms of what island readers and writers and small rural schools um, do in Maine. So I'll start with Steve Costanza as a, as a writer, as an illustrator. What are some of your hopes? So again, briefly. 
Well, Ron, I'm, I'm just terribly excited about the future and with, with uh, working with kids and especially with IRW because uh, just, for example, this Dear Teacher Conference is really something special that IRW is doing for teachers and principals because as we talked about you know, over the past hour that these are people who are in the trenches and it's a very challenging world these days to be a parent, to be a principal, to be a teacher. To be associated with IRW right now at this point um, is just a real honor and um, I'm excited about it, um, what they do. And um, it inspires me to be a creative person and to continue doing books. Great. Kelsey, a, a brief hope that you have for the future? I am so excited to open the doors at the Collins Center in Orno on October 5th and 6th to teachers from around the state and welcome them in for some wonderful learning and excitement. And for listeners who aren't able to attend the conference, I understand registration is closed, but you do have a waiting list. How um, List your website, if you could, or get ready to at the end of the program so that uh, listeners can tune in later. Um, Deb Jamison, what's your, your, your brief hope? I hope that RAW continues to be funded because it costs us nothing. All of this work, all of the books and materials, bringing an author into our school and illustrates into our school, there's a no cost to our schools, which is a huge opportunity for us. One one line, Allison, what's your hope? <laughs> uh, expanded professional development opportunities that create a network for rural educators. Oh, you're good at this. And Kelsey, what's the web <laughs> what's the website, please? Sure. You can visit us at islandreadersandwriters.org. Great. Well, we've come to the end of the hour. Be sure and join us from four to five on the second Wednesday afternoon of each month for Talk of the Towns. Podcasts of our programs can be found in the archive section of the WERU website. If you have comments or suggestions for topics, please email us at news at weru.org. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Belnane House Highland Music recording. And thanks again to our guests here in the studio as we talked about Island Readers and Writers, Kelsey Buckley and Allison Johnson, both from Island Readers and Writers. Deb Jamison is principal, teaching principal at Pembroke Elementary School. And Steve Casanza is author of The King of Ragtime, the story of Scott Joplin. He's an illustrator and musician, and he's toured with IRW Schools. Thanks to our underwriters, Thanks to Amy Brown and Joe Mann for helping engineer our program. Stay tuned for Ralph Nader Radio from 5 to 6 and The Groove Shop from 6 to 8. Liz Graves and I are producers and hosts for Talk of the Towns, and we wish you a good afternoon. <laughs>